My pleasure to be joined once again by Wyndham State Representative Susan Johnson. It's an annual show that we do to kind of get a preview of what is coming up in the legislative session, class of 2021. Susan, up late last night, but here she is talking to me this morning. Thanks for joining me this morning, Susan. And besides all the other usual issues you have to talk about, we've got a new one to talk about today. So can you just address what's going on in our state capitol regarding security and safety? Ah, hey, Wayne. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me uh, to be on your show. And, uh, yes, it's, uh, it's quite a difficult time we're having. Uh, we're here in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, people are taking good precautions and uh, working very hard to stay well. Uh, we have a vaccination that's out there that we're trying to coordinate. And in the meantime, we're under a great deal of threat because of uh, some of the things that have occurred. Uh, as you know, and everybody's well aware, and we're all talking about what happened uh, Wednesday, uh, January 6th, when the Capitol, uh, when there was a, an attempt coup uh, at the Capitol in Washington, D.C., and now there are threats all throughout Connecticut and all throughout this, the country are to invade the capitals of every single state. So we are on high alert. Uh, everybody is working with the National Guard, uh, the local police, our state police. Uh, they're all working overtime, and we just have to thank them for their hard work and really feel very, very badly for what has occurred uh, on January 6th. And we have to make sure that we work hard to uh, address that by the people who uh, were committing criminal violations are are taken care of by the police and through the criminal justice system. So, Do you, as a legislator, feel safe at this point in time? I I feel I feel concerned. I don't feel uh, you know. I, I think everybody has to be concerned, and and we need to make sure that we. Uh, start tamping down some of the misinformation. And we have to do it. Uh, I was watching uh, one of the C-SPAN um, uh, shows, and there was a uh, congressman on the air who has been saying something that I've been saying, and that is, you know, while people want to be able to say whatever they want to say, I think you have to have something called uh, the Fairness Doctrine back. I'm sure you remember that, Wayne, when we used to have... Uh, both sides speak, so then people could draw their own conclusions. Sort of called equal time, wasn't it? Well, it was called the, the law was actually called the Fairness Doctrine. The law itself it was eliminated in 1986 by uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, presidency. So, and once that happened, then all these different uh, uh, networks came out, like Fox. With their own eye, their own desires to, you know, use facts the way they want. And, uh, that's a big problem, uh, because people don't have the correct information if they don't understand or know everything about all the processes all throughout the country in terms of the elections. Susan, you are now the deputy majority leader. What kind of power does that give you? What does that mean? What that means is that I read every single bill that gets passed out of committee. And then I meet with all the other deputies and the majority leader and the deputy speakers, and we decide what goes to the floor. 
and you're also on the appropriations, the housing, and the education committees. On the education topic, address locally educational opportunity in Wyndham as well as statewide. Sure. So there's a program that we have had here with the um, community colleges called Early College Opportunity. And what it's done is it's uh, allowed for students to, while they're in high school and maybe a year past to obtain an associate's degree at the same time they get their high school diploma. Now, you know they have to be pretty committed, hardworking students to be able to do that. But we act, at our Wyndham High School have had on average about 35 of them a year, and their focus is on STEM, which is science, um, science, engineering, technology, and math. And those students are able to go right to work when they finish over at Electric Boat, over to Pratt & Whitney, and over to Sikorsky Aircraft and make a very nice uh, income right out of high school. So what I would like to do is that my proposal and uh, Representative uh, Haddad, who was the chair of the Higher Education Committee last year, um, heard the bill, and both sides of the aisle really liked the bill, uh, to expand it to all districts that are alliance districts. That dreaded T word has come up again. That would be tolls. What's the role of tolls when it comes to the state infrastructure bank that you'd like to see created? Well, I'm kind of keeping those separate. I think the idea of tolls is a very good idea. I, I've actually been out supporting it, and I think that we need to come to some kind of an agreement to uh, try and make sure that we have enough in the way of resources coming into the state so our special transportation fund can be funded. Uh, we've actually uh, lost a lot of money, of course, during this uh, session because uh, uh, the, for the special transportation fund because a lot of people weren't using the roads, so they weren't buying gasoline, and that's how we fund the special transportation fund. Not only that, when you look at the special transportation fund gasoline tax, uh, I think, now <laughs> you can correct me if I'm wrong, but... I think most of the vehicles today get a better gas mileage than they did 20 years ago. What do you think, Wayne? Now, mine certainly does. I'm getting much better gas mileage now than I did in prior vehicles. There you go. And so you're not paying as much in gas tax, are you? Or as much for gas either, for that matter, although the gas prices are going up a little bit here. So how do you pay for roads, bridges, and then somehow with this infrastructure bank concept, Internet expansion is involved in that too. That, that's a pretty broad base. Well, that would be for the public banking aspect. Uh, that public banking would be something that would be an infrastructure bank. An infrastructure bank would be something that you could take the federal... If, so if we have an infrastructure bank, for example, we can borrow from the Fed at a much lower rate. And so when we borrow, uh, as you are aware, and most people are aware, the fund also leverages money to borrow so that we can do special projects all throughout the state to maintain the roads, make sure the bridges are okay, all that sort of thing. And uh, the infrastructure bank would help us do that, just like the Green Bank does. It would be structured very similarly to the Green Bank. And so uh, we do have the Green Bank. It has been doing very, very well. And it's something that 
you know, would have more restrictions on it, particularly with federal funds that would come through it, because uh, the federal funds must always be used for the roads and bridges. Uh, so that would be uh, something you could do. But the idea to add um, something like uh, infrastructure for the Internet, that would be also something that could be considered part of the, the infrastructure bank as well. Explain payment in lieu of taxes and how that affects towns for public housing and state-owned properties. Sure. Payment in lieu of taxes is uh, is something that's been in effect since the late 60s. And uh, what they do is uh, when you have state property in your town that doesn't pay any tax, the state will say, well, we'll pay, we'll pay a portion of that tax. So instead of charging the state the whole amount, the state comes in and pays something. So Eastern Connecticut State University has payment in lieu of taxes. Uh, the hospital has payment in lieu of taxes. Certain nonprofits have payment in lieu of taxes from the state, but they don't pay the full amount. And we did have a payment in lieu of taxes for the state public housing, the housing authority uh, properties, <clears throat> but that was repealed. So I'm trying to get it back and uh, and trying to make sure that we increase the amount of money for towns like ours that have payment in lieu of taxes. One of the reasons our mill rate's so high is because the values of the properties are lower than some of the surrounding towns, and we don't get enough uh, from the state for payment in lieu of taxes. So we have to start focusing on that. And I want to give the council high praise first for talking to the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities and saying to them that you aren't helping towns like this that have problems with payment in lieu of taxes or pilots, uh, and so we're not going to pay you to help us. We're not going to hire you anymore to help the town of Wyndham. So the town of Wyndham withdrew for a couple of years, and uh, all because of the council's uh, concern about that and education cost sharing, which I'll get to maybe if you ask me in a minute. And so afterwards, they heard that, and they came back and said, well, we'll work with you on it. So then Councilman Dennis O'Brien uh, started working with other municipalities all throughout the state that are in a similar situation. One town isn't going to be able to change how the state looks at what's going on with payment in lieu of taxes. So we need to have a group. We need a very big group, and we need to be pushing make sure they don't take uh, take these things away. The towns like Wyndham serve the region. We serve the region by providing services to all the uh, state properties, to all the nonprofit organizations, to all the low-income housing, and all the people in the low-income housing. And we need to be appreciated and recognized and paid for the work that we do here. A lot of people have had serious life changes in the last year because of the pandemic. What can you do to help people who need assistance paying rent or a mortgage? So right now, the governor has executive orders not to have, make sure that people are evicted uh, if they can't afford to pay. Now, if you can't afford to pay uh, and you have the money to pay uh, the rent, pay the mortgage, do those kinds of things, but they can't evict you uh, right now. But uh, the other thing is the uh, money that will be coming from the federal government 
uh, the CARES Act first was helpful to people initially, $1,200. Then I think that there's a $600 amount coming through, and I've had contact from people who um, say they haven't received theirs yet, and that's a federal federal program through, the I think it was the HOPE Act that was just passed. And I believe that what will happen is there will be another act that's going to be passed. Uh, President-elect Biden has indicated that another 1,400 will go out as soon as he has uh, the chance to have that uh, legislation put through the Congress on the federal level. It is a federal program, and the money's coming from the feds. Also, uh, that will help our, our state economy because they're going to be giving money to the state uh, for a number of things uh, under the new program with President-elect Biden. So it should help us with making, maybe giving us the chance to uh, make sure we maintain and increase our payment in lieu of taxes, and that will be something that will help the local taxpayer, property taxpayer here. And along the same line, speaking of, of COVID, what can the General Assembly, what can the state legislature do regarding assistance to help people out and also make this thing go away faster? You want to create a pandemic office in Connecticut. What would that do? Uh, the pandemic office would make sure that we have enough PPE. We'd make sure that we're uh, more connected with the federal government. And let me just say that uh, one of the problems that we've had uh, in the past and during this pandemic is the fact that the pandemic office in the White House was uh, shut down. Uh, it was there under Obama. It was there under George Bush. It was there under Clinton. And each time they had some threats, and each time the previous presidents, the last, not this one, but the last three, uh, all had pandemic offices, and they also worked with a uh, pandemic uh, uh, office in the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta. So you had a real uh, coordination of the military and science, also working with the World Health Organization. All that has been dismantled. Susan, I know you and your husband have never done a joint, he says tongue-in-cheek, but what is your position on legalization of recreational marijuana? So the legalization, it will be a great thing because the uh, it will limit uh, the uh, imprisonment of people who are arrested for having the marijuana. So it will reduce the numbers of people. And I, my take on this is that so if you have fewer criminal offenses, people with problems uh, uh, with drug addiction and that sort of thing, the money should go to mental health care. It's a public health issue when you have an addiction problem. And it shouldn't be a criminal justice situation. So I think that that's, that's my focus. That's my two cents on the bill. I'm hoping that, uh, that the money that we use uh, and that we receive, we'll have to, of course, regulate it and all, all that, make sure the dosages and the access is all uh, fully regulated and monitored. But it will also reduce the black market. Ultimately, it will stop people from being incarcerated. It will help people uh, with their mental health, uh, which is why we have addictions. And by the way, 
A lot of the addiction comes from injuries that people receive. They, and then they go on medication for a short time. Then they have to go off the medication and they're addicted. And so what happens after that is they seek it in other places in the black market. So addiction is in part because of my work on the workers' compensation, creating a workers' compensation task force, looking at the data from the public health department, uh, finding that people who are injured and then uh, still have pain from the injury are not receiving the proper uh, medical care are the ones who are primarily getting addicted and they need to get the help that they're supposed to have, and it's another project I've been working on for five or six years. How do you want to negotiate gaming with the casinos? Well, we want to make sure we keep the money that we have coming in uh, to the state, because if we violate the existing contract that was put into effect under Governor Weicker, then what will happen is the the, uh, casinos won't have to pay the state anymore, and we do get money from them, even though it's been reduced because of the casinos in the surrounding states. And also because people aren't going because of COVID. Uh, so that is, that is another, uh, thing that has to be done if we do sports gaming and we should work with the casinos to do it. And lastly, you wrote me that our budget through June 30th, 2021 is still okay. What happens on July 1st? What do you see happening with the next budget? I'm sure that'll be a drawn out process. Well, I'm on appropriations <laughs> and, uh, we, what will happen is we're going to, have a sense of where we are with the budget, and uh, we'll be working on it uh, this coming session. So we'll have to see what everybody's proposals are, like mine, for uh, maintaining or increasing our payment in lieu of taxes, making sure that the education cost-sharing formula that we use here to help fund our schools continues to increase and be in balance with some of the other towns that have been getting 100% and even more of the education cost-sharing grant. We're on a... Uh, level we're on a, on a, we have a policy in place now we have a law in place now to make sure that all the towns get the right amount for ECF uh, we were shorted about 10 million a year we're uh, getting a, we're gaining another million a year every single year and we're, we should be getting uh, 4 million more this year 5 million next year and on until we get to the 10 million so that's another uh, thing that we'll be working on and that's another thing that we have to have. We can't have the town shorted anymore. And the other towns that are similarly situated, they can't be shorted either. Susan Johnson's been state rep since 2008. Are you on with Dennis tonight, or are you in the Capitol, and he's doing the show flying solo, and let's talk about it? Ah, uh, well, no, we're we're doing, uh, we're going to be uh, doing the show together. I was the Capitol yesterday. Uh, yesterday we uh, went to uh, the Capitol, and we voted on... Uh, the judges' reappointment and new judges. So I was there yesterday. We're going in and we have a new system. Uh, because of COVID, we vote from our offices in a closed uh, voting circuit that we have. If we need to go to the floor, we can go and go and talk on the floor, uh, giving the uh, speaker notice that we'll be on our way. But that's how that works at this point in time. Well, Susan, I miss having breakfast with you and Dennis, but hopefully we can get back to that routine fairly soon. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. State Representative Susan Johnson updating the 2021 agenda for the legislature on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.